0: If you have been listening to some of the previous Tales of the Road Warriors podcast, then you already know that the GA, or Great American Food and Beverage Company, is where I worked as a singing waiter in the 70s. Oh, by the way, this is Hal Aaron, and welcome to my podcast, The Tales of the Road Warriors. Anyway, Johnny Rockmore was one of my favorite co-workers there. Before we got into sharing our How We Got Fired from the GA stories, We start out like a couple of old men talking about our respective surgeries. Turns out that we are, as John puts it, bowel brothers. I swore when I was younger that I would never turn out to be one of those old geezers who goes on and on about their medical condition and bore people with long drawn out descriptions of gross surgical procedures and shit. But Johnny brought it up, so we did end up talking about that stuff in the beginning. So if this ain't what you signed up for, just skip to about six minutes and 44 seconds into this. Personally, I think some of that six and a half minutes is the best, but hey, totally up to you. Eventually, we get into trading stories about our current gigs, me at a hotel in Wayne, PA, and private parties here on the East Coast, and Johnny at private parties and local festivals with his band. Johnny also shared a great idea for musicians who play for tips, so if you're one of them, you might want to pay attention. You'll never look at a gas can the same way ever again. Recently, Johnny Rockmore celebrated his 30th CD in 30 years. He releases one every every year, a new CD. Uh, this one's called The 30th Album. In part two, Johnny and I will talk about his songwriting, albums, and other musicians and his experiences in the studio. But in the meantime, please enjoy the silliness of part one. You ready? Here we go. Hey Johnny Rockmore, how's it going, man?
1: Things are going good. How about yourself?
0: Uh, I can't complain. Well, I can, but who would listen? I'm <laughs> <laughs> not yeah. complaining to you, man.
1: Oh, good. Listen, how is your uh, your health with the um, the gut thing that you had a couple of years ago?
0: Oh, that was cancer. That was full blown. I but I did yeah, well, it.
1: Yeah, well, I knew. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. Um, I guess you did because you're talking to me on the phone today. <laughs>
0: It's weird. I was, like, dropping pounds. I was eating the same, but I had trouble going to the bathroom, and I, w- I went down to, like, 140 pounds. I'm like, what the hell's going on? Wow. At Did first, I like- was like, God, I'm looking good, but then I'm like, I'm not looking so good anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah. Did... Did you have, like, pains and stuff, or was it just...
0: No, that's uh, the thing. I didn't really have pains, but the thing is, I just couldn't be very far away from a bathroom for very long. And um, I was fortunate because the job I had was in a mall, like at one of those kiosks where, Mm-mm. you know, you try to stop people walking by and ask them for their contact information to, in in the event that maybe they need a new bathroom or kitchen makeover, you know. yes. So uh, what happened is I would go to, like, uh, the Macy's or Boscoff's, like one of the department stores in the mall, and I t- I'd spend more time there in their bathroom than at the kiosk. Oh. But fortunately, I had, an, like, you know, I- I'm kind of a outgoing, gre- gregarious kind of guy, so yeah. uh, I was able to still get enough leads for the company so they wouldn't know I was missing. <laughs>
1: And they probably don't send too many people out to check up on you in that kind of a situation.
0: No, not unless you're, you're, you're turning in leads that turn out to be phony leads or, or you're just not getting any leads at all. But if you're turning in quality leads, they have no reason to check up on you, you, you know. Yeah, so.
1: you're doing the job. You're faking the quota.
0: Yeah, so as long as I was able to maintain, I was okay. Uh, but then I was just, they weren't giving out enough hours to the, people so i got a job at a costco um there's a company within the costco called cds that stands for club demo services and okay, they're the people guys. yeah yeah. Guys. yeah the free yeah. food free samples yeah, so everybody love loves the free sample guy <laughs> but then <laughs> yeah. the uh that's where i started to lose the weight and it was getting noticeable and the my fellow employee, um, uh, employees are saying, you know how you might think about getting a checkup, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> so I that? did. And he said, you know, you need to go to an emergency room right away. So I did. And he, they checked me in.
1: Wow. Checked you in right then?
0: Right then. Yeah. They said, get a room now. Wow. So then, wow. you know, then they sent a team in, a surgeon and an oncologist and, you know, all that good stuff.
1: Yeah. And then that was like how long of an ordeal was that? A couple of years?
0: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, uh, yeah. It uh, 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 was almost two years. And I wasn't able to work because the doctor said you can't go back to the mall because the, I had to go on chemo and radiation. And he said, you know, your immune system is going to be, be down from the, from the chemo. So you can't sure. be around little kids walking by coughing, you know, or, or you know, come in contact with somebody who's got a, a cold because that could quickly turn into pneumonia or, or worse. So wow. I had to stop working. I just kind of like laid in bed. I watched uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, for, <laughs> like binge watched all these shows on Netflix while I just, you know, went wow. in surgery and then I would be recuperating from the surgery and Then I had to go in for a second surgery. Because they gave me one of those bags, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And they had a second surgery to remove the ostomy bag. And I got to tell you, that in and of itself was uh, fortunate for me. Because some people get an ostomy bag and they have to wear it the rest of their life. Yeah,
1: I heard about that. So at least I was
0: able to have mine removed.
1: Okay, cool. So, yeah. Yeah, And so... so they took, took out some of your colon?
0: Yeah, a little bit. Think, think about five feet.
1: Five feet, wow.
0: I think that's what he said.
1: Okay, okay. Well, that's a, that's a lot. I had a, um, kind of an accident on my uh, tractor, and it ruptured my bladder. And during the healing process, the bladder adhered to the colon, and then there was leakage between the two. And uh, they had to take out 18 inches of my colon and repair the um, the bladder and stuff. Uh, but it was that was you know that wasn't anything really compared to what you were doing.
0: I don't know. I'm jealous. You uh. you got 18 inches. Well, no. It's yeah. it, anytime they have to open you up and muck around in your guts. That's I don't care whether they call it cancer. Or a bladder that's been fused to your whatever. It's yeah. bad shit. It's bad Yeah, John. It
1: wasn't it wasn't good. It took me a year to convince the doctors that there was something really wrong. Um they thought I was crazy. I'd come in and I'd describe these symptoms to them and they would go, No, people don't have that kind of a symptom. No, that's not happening. Um and uh, finally ended up with gas in my bladder so that, like, my dick was farting. and I um, hate it when
0: that happens.
1: Yeah, it's just so funny because all of a sudden it's going, and you're like, whoa, what is this? <laughs> um, and that kind of finally convinced him. And, uh, but, yeah, there was lots of probing and cameras and uh, all, all that kind of stuff to see what was going on.
0: But wow. anyway,
1: so we're like we're like um uh, bowel brothers.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Although I never farted through my dick before, but I guess it's better like they say, better to be pissed on than pissed off.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 So, you got a gig uh every Tuesday evening?
0: Uh started a few couple months ago, uh, and then he put me on hiatus for the holidays. Um, yeah, it's at a, it's a, it's a, at a Hilton embassy suites. It's an older building. I don't know what it was before the Hilton bought it, but, uh, it's kind of a, a cool little hotel, but I play in like the restaurant lounge part of it Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and there's no, I can't explain it. It's real vacuous. Like you could see all the floors from the lobby. Wow. There's no ceiling there. So you can look up and see every floor.
1: Okay, and like around, they got one of those uh, in Atlanta.
0: Yeah, so when you play in the restaurant, I, I'm, I'm concerned that like, people who don't want to hear music are probably, like, I'm, hope, I'm hoping this isn't bleeding into their rooms, you know? But <laughs> well, as it is, think, it's only for two hours every Tuesday night from 6 to 8, So, and I oh, try to six keep to it eight.
1: low. Yeah, 6 to 8, they're, they're still out you know, dinner and all that kind of stuff, and you're like a happy hour.
0: Yeah, and he requested me because some of his guests come in every Tuesday from, one's from Texas. It's like a company, and they all, they're the ones that like to stay in the hotel and eat because they had been leaving, and the manager, you know, asked them, you know, why don't they stay in the restaurant and eat? And they said, well, there's nothing to to do, and you should get some live music or something. So they found me through that from the, by request of their guests. And so I befri- befriended them, so that was a good thing. So they kept me around after the holidays. Okay. So okay. I start back the 15th of January, this coming Tuesday. And then, I don't know, you know, it just lasts as long as it lasts. You know how gigs are.
1: Oh man, I know that. I know that <laughs> thing. The, the little band that I play with, we get a lot of repeat business. You know, you'll play for a party and then we've been playing together forever. And so then the next year they invite you back for the, to play at the party. And then you get a whole bunch of those and um, you're always gigging. But it's wallflower music. You know, those people are there for dinner and party and talking amongst themselves. The nice thing for us in many of these cases is that um, they feed us. Uh, We'll go and we'll play for the cocktail hour uh, and they don't listen. Then everybody gets fed and we don't have to play when they're eating because they're all eating and yakking amongst themselves. And then afterwards, uh, we play after dinner and the crowds get a little looser and they pay a little more attention. And we get a little looser because generally there's like an open bar. And
0: uh, that doesn't hurt. You know what I noticed, though, John, you say they don't they never listen. I noticed. In reality, they do. And at least somebody there listens because as soon as you do something different or, I don't know, every now and then out of the booth they'll come up and go, oh, I, I love Peter Frampton or whatever you played, you know.
1: Yeah, they do that. And um, you're right. There are some that are bored, you know, because the social situation is not for them. And so they do listen. They, uh, But yeah, and... It certainly helps when you get complimented,
0: (laughs) you know, certainly does. And it certainly helps when you get tipped.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. Um, A lot of the things that we play for um, are the corporate type party things. Yeah. Well, you can't put the old tip jar out. And um, one of the things that I stole from a guy years ago, I walked in to see him play on stage he had a plastic gas can with the top cut out and on the side he had painted gas money and it was so much it it was so much more palatable than tips you know it was like you're giving to a cause i went home i got a plastic gas can
0: <laughs> i'm doing it i'm doing it that story yeah. that, that's a keeper <laughs> because every well, Everybody who plays for a living needs to know that that tip about the tip tip.
1: Well, it you know, when I saw it, I was like, That's cool. Now on the um on on mine, on one side it says gas money, and then you spin it around and it says bailout money. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> we, in the band, we use it as a joke, of course, for the bass player, because I'll hold it up. and I'll go, you yeah, know, folks here, we got to have gas money to get home, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and I say, and if we don't, we're going to need, and I turn the can around and go, we're going to need bailout money for the bass player. And uh, <laughs> it puts a personal, a personal touch on it. And like I said, they're not, tipping is kind of weird for some people, but if it's like, it's going to help. <laughs> We need gas
0: money. Do you remember um, Dave and Jocelyn? David Man, and Jocelyn I, from San Francisco. Well, I don't, they might have been from New Orleans originally. He and, was like an old G- white guy with a real long beard, like kind of like your beard, big fluffy white beard, and then she was a black woman, and they used to do the San Francisco Bay Blues. At the, They used okay. to come in the Great American, and Poppy used to just pay him with dinner. They didn't work there, but they came in now and then, and Poppy would have them perform okay.
1: it seems it's a dim flash it may have happened after how long did you work there when did you quit
0: um i worked there about a little over a year almost two years mm-hmm. i quit yeah man i i, I owe everybody an apology uh, for the night that i left
1: <laughs> well hey there's A story with every person. You know, they fired me uh, right at the end uh, one day before I had given notice, and um, they fired me on a Friday. My last day was going to be on a Saturday. I had become so obnoxious um, that Greg fired me. Uh, They still had the going away party on Saturday, and I came back for it.
0: (laughs) Um, I couldn't have come back for my going away party.
1: No, no. What'd
0: you do? We had it was an employee meeting. We had some kind of meeting, and um, I I was living with Cynthia at the time. Cynthia Wolf, yeah. Okay. And uh, I forget exactly what the circumstances were, but she wasn't on the schedule, or he had taken her off the schedule for some reason. Um, And I said, "Well, I got to drive her home. Then she can't can't make her sit here all night." And you know, I'm going, going to make her walk nine blocks back to the house or wherever. And yeah. he says, he says well, you can't leave now. You're, you know. I said, just let me run her home. She's, you know, it's five minutes by car. So uh, he he wouldn't let me do it. I said, well, you know, if you're gonna like be like that, I said, then I don't know what to tell you. It's five minutes. I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. So I came back, drove her home, came back, and then he told, and then he fired me. I said that's not fair, and he goes. Life is not fair (laughs) you know in his poppy voice he tries to imitate poppy Poppy when he talks okay (laughs) so anyway so that was it so i I said f you and i you know i walked out and uh, i left all my side work to do like i hadn't finished setting up for my shift so somebody else had to pick up my slack you know somebody just walks out of the shift somebody else has to do and i think i had Dressings, you know, that's the worst. Filling up those yeah. salad dressing vessels, that's a sloppy job. So I yeah. just have to apologize to whoever had to do that the night I got fired.
1: Oh, yeah. I, um, so what year was that?
0: 79. Yeah. So David and Jocelyn had a sign that they put out in front of them. And I used to use that myself for a long time. It said, if you dig the sound, stick around. If you have to split, leave a tip.
1: Okay.
0: So okay. I always kind of liked that one because it was kind of funky and they had it in that like hand-drawn crayon thing on an old <laughs> poster board. <laughs> yeah. But your idea or your friend's idea that you stole is even yeah. more stealable.
1: Yes, yes. I think everyone should do it not everyone because then it'll be like nah, I saw that last week over in right. door. Yeah, but if it, if that. it
0: applies it, then I think you can use it if, if it applies. If you do need yeah. jazz money, some of the gigs I go to are pretty far.
1: Yeah. You know a lot of a lot of gigs that we get you got to do free. They're like freebies. And uh, I'm happy to do them. There's a couple that the band does and the banjo players like, "Why do you like doing that gig?" And I'm like <laughs> We get standing ovations at the end of the at the end of the night, and that's enough for me <laughs> if they stand up, I'm good with that I'm happy to
0: play, yeah, really, and I could yeah. see you getting standing ovations do you ever play <laughs> do you ever do your harmonica thing like you did on the gong show all those ages ago
1: well, yeah, um. I um, I still play a lot of harmonica. In the here in Georgia, they have a contest every year to determine state champions in different. Um, it, it, it's like acoustic music, so they have you can be the state champion guitar player, or banjo player, or mandolin player, or fiddle player. I go there, and three times I've I made the Georgia state champion harmonica player. So. Uh,
0: so you're three a three times. time Georgia State Harmonica Championship player?
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's um it's a cool thing. The the championships are about three and a half hours. I have to make it like a three and a half hour drive to go and do it. And um, it's pretty cool, man. They've um the there's like some pretty good players up there in all of the genres, you know, like I was saying in the fiddle and in the in the it's kind of geared towards the bluegrass stuff you know that's that's um how how the music is played so but anyway yeah man i go up there they've got the harmonica category and uh every odd year from 2013 i was the 2013 2015 2017 i didn't get to go this year um
0: they probably are glad you didn't show up
1: well it's kind of funny one one year john's not here somebody else can win yeah, well, this is what exactly what happened. Um, there's a guy that I've made friends with that he goes in a couple of different categories. He's one of these multi instrumentalists, and he goes in that category. And um, I got there one year. I'm going, "Hey man, how are you doing?" He just said, "I was hoping you wouldn't show up." <laughs> I went, "Oh well, yeah, too bad." But uh, yeah, this year I didn't go because my band had a gig that paid so much money. I was like forget going, you know, that's just a head trip. I've already been it three times and can't go on an even numbered year. So uh, 18, I was, I was out, but um, I might go next year. My farm's for sale. I want to move to Washington state, um, but nobody's buying the farm. So we're, we're still here.
0: And back in the days when we were singing waiters together, you were living in Malibu though, right? Yes. That's what I thought. How did you like Malibu?
1: Oh, it was awful, but somebody had to live there. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. Um, it. I can't explain really how wonderful life was in Malibu. Uh, I had a, a pretty wonderful life the whole time I was in California. You know, I, a girlfriend and I hitchhiked out. When I was in Atlanta, she said, when you go to California, you've got to get a job at this place that I just love. She was a stewardess, and she uh, laid over in Santa Monica, and she and her stewardess friends would go down to the GA and, you know, party down. And uh, she said, you've got you to go and do that. Um, well, once I got out there, there was a whole story about getting into the GA. But, um, but the, after, the audition
0: process, you mean? Whew, yeah we'll talk about that later (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) anyway um once i i I met vicky who is my wife now she and i have been together i met her at the ga and uh, we've been together 44 years
0: it's been 44 years wow well congratulations
1: yeah no it was it was a good one she came in i saw her and i said oh that's the girl for me." And it really worked out. But anyway, through her, I got a place to live out in Malibu. And it was on a really nice place. uh, And I was a caretaker. And in order to pay the rent, all I had to do was work for 10 hours a week um, to get the rent. So the rest of the time, totally free, was was my my time. And uh, I lived on a street. Barbara Streisand lived down at the end of the street. Don Henley of the Eagles lived right across the street from me. Mick Fleetwood lived on that street. His producer, Richard Daschett, lived on that street. Don Felder from the Eagles lived on that street. A comic named Richard uh, Biner, John Biner, was there. It was – I I can't explain it. Anyway, um, my wife and I, after we quit – or after I quit the GA, what we had done – Uh, We bought a boarding and training stable for horses. Uh, She was very into the horsey thing, and as part of my job as a caretaker uh, was taking care of horses for these rich people where I lived. Uh, So we bought a boarding stable up in Latigo Canyon, and um, for a couple of years ran that. And, you know, rode around on horses up in the Santa Monica Mountains and go down to the beach and hang out on the beach and play music. And, you know, it was the life of Riley. It was uh, it was great.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I have, you know, similar stories from living in Venice. There were nights uh, like uh, three, four in the morning. We'd, we'd be in a hot tub with me, Lynn Blakey, uh, Cynthia, <laughs> Ricky Lee Jones and you turn on we would turn on that hot tub and the the noise from from the motor would like wake up all the neighbors and all the lights would flick on <laughs> and would like well, shh sh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: oh those were the days man let me tell you what it was the ga was some of the wildest times um that you know that i had and um i couldn't have dreamed the, what it would have been like, you know, when that girl told me, "Oh yeah, get a job at this place called the Great American Food and Beverage Company. You'll fit right in. Oh, it'll be just great." Um, little did I realize how great that would actually be.
0: To and this day, when I try how- to describe working at the Great American, I know people just cannot, in any way, shape, or form, grasp what what kind of job that was. It was like not an unjob, the unjob. Yeah.
1: The unjob, and That's you worked your ass
0: in. off, but you just didn't care.
1: That's that was it. Is that we were the party, you know? And you can't describe that. People say, "Oh, and, and you sang." Yeah, we deliver the food, and then we'd <laughs> sing. It was just cut and dry. Um, but yeah, you know the Five Dollar Club, and um, yeah, right.
0: The, oh, you're the first person who mentioned the Five Dollar Club in a while, but <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that was a highlight for me. Um, All of us. And, yeah. We we yeah. kind
0: of had a problem with that.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, it became more than five dollars for me pretty quickly. Um, but um, then my uh, Vicky and I decided that w- what happened is we got turned on to sushi. And we said, you know, we could take all this money we're spending on cocaine and spend it on sushi and it'd be a whole lot better. And uh, that's what we did. We just substituted the addiction uh, for cocaine. And it wasn't really an addiction. It was more of just a a party powder. Um, I
0: I got into coke pretty heavy. Like, same thing, this $5 club springboarded into something a little bit more sinister. (laughs) Uh, And I'm not going to go through everything that... I went through, but the day it stopped was, um, I I was like on like a three-day binge. Mm -hmm. And I slept, I slept it off like, uh, uh, I just crashed. And I woke up and I had about $400 in the bank and $10 in my pocket. And I could easily have spent that last $400 on Coke. Easy. And I took that $10 and I went around the corner to Lincoln Boulevard to the, the Great Western Steak and Hoagie Company. Mm-hmm. And after three days of sleeping, I just was hungry. I just realized I hadn't eaten in three days. I was just sleeping. I wake up, crash again. Wake up, crash. Finally, I woke up and I go there. And the first bite I took of that steak sandwich, I just went, "Oh, I am never doing coke again." I I think <laughs> I'd rather eat. That first bite like made me realize what I, I had been doing to myself. I forgot what food yeah. tasted like. Tasted like. Yeah.
1: But let me tell you what, man, I loved doing a few lines of coke and playing music, you know, <laughs> <For> me, <laughs> that was like, wow, this is great.
0: Yeah. How about whipped cream cans? Did you get in line for those?
1: Oh, man, I certainly did my share and many other people's <laughs> shares of whippy cans. There were a couple of waiters that didn't do whippy cans, but had enough seniority to cop them from Lynn and they would give them to me right and I was, I was like I got my whippy cans from Lenny and a couple of the other waiters uh, would give me whippy cans on occasion I that's yeah that was another thing that I just loved
0: <laughs> cocaine and <laughs> whippy just, cans yeah man. wow boy were we fucked up
1: yeah but having and, the
0: best time
1: yeah and when you think about it we were a bunch of kids running that restaurant You know, yeah, Poppy was the owner and kind of the whole impetus and direction of the restaurant. But we were just a bunch of 20-year-old kids in there delivering food, and the guys in the kitchen are making it. And it was a whole system that operated pretty well because, man, that was a popular place.
0: Yeah, no, it was a well-oiled machine. Those guys in the kitchen really knew what they were doing. Yeah. And they were musicians, too. They They just didn't have the... you know the the kind of chops that to, to, on the floor. to come out on the floor, yeah, or just maybe didn't want to be waiters. They're, we need you need back yeah. of house guys anyway. And Frank yeah. Ramey, who yeah. was the ringleader, just uh, kept it <laughs> like it was a well oiled machine, and the food was great. And we were all great.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Frank is a friend of mine on the Facebook. At the time, he and I didn't get along. It was pretty adversarial uh, between he and I, Really, Uh, and I, I I don't know. We just rubbed each other the wrong way. It would have been so much nicer because being his friend on Facebook has kind of opened up to me the type of person that he was and is. And I didn't take advantage of that at the time um, because there was a lot of pressure you know, to get that food out there and get it to looking good and then getting it to the waiters and the waiters getting it to the table. And sometimes the feasts would take precedence over single orders or a table of three. So you got a table of three and the burger guy makes the burger. The, sh- the feast guys are busy making the feast. So you can't get your skirt steak or your ribs out uh, and now your table's got one person having a burger and two people who are pissed because their food's not there. And, and so, um, <laughs> anyway, Frank and I didn't get along, but he's a, um, a, certainly a, now to me a very a genius, admirable. Actually, yeah, yeah, <laughs> a very admirable. And
0: artistically, uh, without a peer, I think some of his you know, paintings are just mind fuckers.
1: Well, the thing is. Is that you see people like at the GA, and you don't know what other talents that they have, you know? And then all of a sudden to find out that he was such a great painter, um, my mind was blown too. I was like, "Holy crap! Look at that stuff!"
0: I got news for you. I, I don't know if you knew that I was a harmonica player myself. I and kind I, of I, I could remember beat you that. in a competition, except for you got the banter thing down. I just play. <laughs>
1: the thing The thing of the banter it developed at the g a you know I did theater in Atlanta for a few years, and that's why I came to Hollywood. I was going to be an actor, and the girl that I came to Hollywood with um she was an actress as well as a stewardess, and so I was going to Hollywood to be the actor and um ended up at the g a which when you're talking to the people at the tables um you say something, and if they look at you like, ooh, that was disgusting, then you go, ooh, better not say that anymore. And so you hone that, you hone that craft and you be able to kind of be the entertainer as well as um, communicate your ideas and then play your music and so anyway.
0: I think somebody at the GA, but I'm not sure if it was there or at another job, but somebody said, you know how – one out of every ten things that come out of your mouth is pretty fucking funny, <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> if, if you could filter out the first nine, you, you you know you'd be like you could do standup and, and I, but I, <laughs> well, but I'm never sure first which nine. are the first, which are the nine things or the ones that uh, I need to filter out. <laughs> that's,
1: oh, I think that's uh, the setup. See, it's it's the setup, and then you hit them with the tenth thing, which is the punchline.
0: Yeah, right. No, it was, it's more than that. It, it, when you're filtering, like I'm always trying to crack wise, and what yes. what he was trying to tell me is like, there's like nine of those are total misses, but your tenth one, oh. like you, you, you land it, you land <laughs> you land some good ones. But I did get better over the years. I think I could banner now.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you know, I talk to the people when I'm when I'm doing a little solo gig, and you got people staring at you. You can't you can't not talk to them. Um, because it breaks down that barrier. There's many of the musicians I see that play the crap out of what they're doing, and yet they never communicate with the audience or they don't.
0: Yeah, like well, I learned, speak. and from watching you and people like you that talk between the songs, I, I also learned that you could work it out so that you're not playing so much. You know, you can't <laughs> play fewer songs you if you learn me. how to. You know, be a little uh, entertaining in between without playing, but just by talking to them and yes. get a conversation going.
1: Yes. Yes, exactly. That's the the breaking down that fourth wall. Uh, many people believe the performance shouldn't be diluted um, with the audience. Um, it depends on the gig,
0: this, too. I mean, if you're hired to be the wallpaper, it's, it's oh, sort yeah. of tough to not you know you kind
1: of yeah no it that only works when like on your tuesday night gig you're supposed to be there making it a pleasurable experience and part of the pleasurable experience is being friendly with the folks you know they're gonna you're representing the hotel you're you know you're yeah and it depends thing.
0: on the group that comes down to the lobby too it's like if it's somebody that comes down sitting sits in front of you with a laptop and they're trying to do some work i'm not about to go hey how, how you doing what's your name where are you from you
1: yeah. know? <laughs> <laughs> of course you wonder wh- why somebody would sit right in front of you and work on their laptop go sit over at the edge of the room and you know it's it's almost a distraction but you can't say isn't that anything. the way
0: it goes sometimes though yeah. Somebody yeah. gave me a name for that. They call it R&R, Rockers and Retirees. And what happens uh, is the Rockers are sitting in the back yelling, Freebird, and the retirees are in, right in front of you going, can you turn that down a little bit, please? <laughs> like, oh. Why don't you guys switch seats? Yeah,
1: those guys in the back, it's okay.
0: Yeah, you want them to be sitting up in front of you, but they, it never works out that way. The retirees yeah. are in front, the Rockers are in the back, and you're like yeah. stuck because you can't make loud. either of them happy.
1: Oh, man, that is, that's shop talk.
0: And yeah, uh, R&R gig. It's yeah. rare, but when it happens, you're like, oh, no, I've been here before.
1: Yeah. We get, um, um in my bluegrass band, we play a lot of little festivals where we're not required to put butts in the seat. Uh, we don't play many bars and things because we don't have a huge following. We're old guys. And an old audience, you know, goes in at 4.30 in the afternoon and doesn't come out to see or be entertained after after dark. So playing at the festivals, uh, people are there kind of to hear the music because there's a ton of bands and a ton of stages. And you're just part of that whole cog. But you don't have to bring an audience. And the audience is already primed to hear music. They've come down to hear music. And um, it makes it worth it to have people that pay attention, right? Yeah.
0: I'm surprised you don't have a following despite the fact that you're a bunch of old guys, a lot of, there's still a lot of old guys that appreciate the old players.
1: Yeah. And there's young people that appreciate it too. Um, I don't do, we don't do enough public playing. We get so, so many parties and things that we get our playing yah uh, yahs by doing that, and don't I don't chase gigs to try and get out and say, okay, come and see us down at the so and so this weekend, uh, and then try to build a following. Um, it just I just enjoy playing and don't enjoy trying to make it a business.
0: Yeah, yeah, you don't you don't need to be doing all the work when when you're trying to keep the creative part of you out front.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, and the band's been playing long enough, like I said, that we get many repeat gigs. And what happens, we play for a lot of rich people. Because it's like rich people throw parties and they want to impress their rich friends. Well then the rich friends go, Gosh, we'd like to have a band for our party that we're doing. Would you come and play? And we're like, Yeah, okay, we'll do that. Um so not a lot of not a lot of going out and playing and then when we do a lot of playing, um, I'm not out chasing chasing gigs because I get my yaws and um we got a, a following that's folks that like to party.
0: <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. So listen, can can I still call you Wednesday?
1: Yes, let's do this Wednesday. What time you want to do that?
0: Because then it'll be like a part two. All
1: right, good. Part two.
0: Part two. All right, good night, John. All right, bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed my little chat with Johnny Rockmore. And if you want to uh, be apprised of the situation uh, when round two, part two, comes up, Uh, Please go to talesoftheroadwarriors.com and fill out the contact form, and get on the mailing list, and I'll keep in touch so you know when part two with Johnny Rockmore comes up. In the meantime, I'm going for a drive.